Hello and welcome to day six of the 35th edition of the Galway Film Flat, the final day of this amazing festival and well done if you have made it all the way through the week like ourselves. Before we get underway, looking ahead to a couple of features screening today at the Flat for the final catch-up of the week, let's head over and join Eve looking ahead to this morning's shorts. Eve Collins O'Brien, Director of Shorts Programming. See, I have it off to a Tina. <laughs> I finally got it right. Uh, final day of the Fla. I can't believe there was so many shorts being screened all week. Yeah, I think last time I counted, and we don't trust my counting, uh, there was 102, which is a lot. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of filmmakers. That's a, a lot of crews. That's a lot of animators. That's a lot of, a lot, a lot of. So yeah, it's, it's, it's been great. So animation this morning in the Town Hall Theatre at 10 o'clock and then Irish Talent again with new shorts and documentaries. So how did the, firstly I suppose the Screen Ireland shorts go yesterday because they're they're always the hard to get into. They sell very fast. Yeah, it was absolute bedlam. Um, it was very busy and the, the screening before it had sold out and there was a great reception, really, really great reception to that. So it was hard to get everybody out because they were chatting and they wanted to meet each other. Uh, and a quick turnaround and a lot of the people stayed, you know, for, for the next programme. I must say, I'm very proud of you because there's so many drinks receptions on this weekend and you you managed to like hold yourself together, just hydrate with water uh, and carry through. Uh, no, <laughs> it's all show. Um, I have this terrible thing and uh, for each of the introductions, I get, I have this terrible of, of not like, I say to myself, I hate doing them. I hate getting up there and I find it like I'm always get really nervous and people think you're like, oh, you're fine, but I hate it. And I'm like, don't say something, you don't say something. Every time I'm like, don't say it. And then I get up there and I'm, during the week, my legs started shaking for no reason. And then I told the audience I had to leave now because my legs were shaking too much. I was like, you would be a professional at some point. It was the nerves that had you shaking, not nothing else. No, not the nerves. But this morning, I nearly said to everybody that I was quite hungover, but I didn't. But, uh, you know, it's always, it's always hard to balance that that kind of like you know your own industry you know mixing and seeing people that you've been working with all year you know and watching their films all year and supporting and and with my other job get to get to meet online you know and that kind of thing so it's really nice that you get all together but then it's very difficult to stop that but you know you're awake again and you've got to do it all over again and you've got to get back up on that stage uh, and you've got to meet everybody and and be equally excited for for their film so yeah I'm a little bit dead inside <laughs> so what happens now this afternoon after all the shorts are screened ahead of six o'clock when the awards start being announced. Yeah, so uh, next up we have our short film panel on why representation matters. Um, so it's something that I think short film does quite well. We've, we've discussed that about uh, it can be quite inclusive when it wants to be. You know, it can be, a, it can be a really nice art form for just getting out there and telling whatever your story is in whatever budget, which is, which is great because, you know, what, like there's lots of other art forms you can do that in, but feature film, you can't really. And if you do, it's quite hard to get anywhere with it on, you know, such a small budget or, or even like, you know, telling a risky point of view or, you know, something that's important to you that maybe isn't commercial. Um, so a short film, you're able to do that. So uh, that's kind of, uh, I think there's a real sweet spot um, and people are kind of starting to appreciate that more. So that's what, in theory, what the panel conversation will be about, but also wider short film culture at the moment. And, you know, we'll have all filmmakers there screening it this year. So they're going to be able to 
reflect on the flag this you know and what they got out of it and what they would do differently and maybe some recommendations for people coming for next year so that will be nice and informal and relaxed and then after that we have a networking barbecue with the the national talent academies so that's nice so that's another animation crew and above the line talent getting together and um finishing off with a burger and a, a pint and their last little bit of networking before the awards yeah, so and then the awards are at six, obviously. So um, I know the winners. Uh, yes, yeah, so just hair back. Um, so I'm very excited. Um, and then you have to play the game of like, are they going to be around? So all week I'll be like, how long are you here for? Uh, so there's 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 that kind of, you know, waiting to see. Um, but the jury found it very, very difficult. They go around the corner to one of the, one of the restaurants and sit. And uh, the most recent jury took about three hours for them to decide. Um, so that's great. Uh, that's what we like to see. So I'm really excited for them to find out and every time I see them now I'm like just don't say anything don't say anything don't don't be particularly excited or not excited so it's a great way to be yeah it's trying to just have that blank face so someone looks at you you're not giving off any signals or anything and do you know how many awards regarding the shorts that were screened over the last five days or so are going to be handed out um, so we have three, that's a really hard question, we have three Oscar qualifying awards, then we have three international awards, and then we have two best debuts for best fiction and best uh, animation. So I can't count how many of that is, but that's all the awards for shorts. So it's quite a lot. Well, best of luck and good luck walking around the gallant of the town hall with a briefcase handcuffed to you with the, the winner's list inside. Congratulations on putting a fantastic programme together. I think it shows by the reaction that the movies got and the droves of people that went to see them and came out of the doors of the town hall buzzing after seeing them. And I can see you're beaming as well because you know it really worked this year as well. So congratulations and what's up then tomorrow morning sleep in tomorrow sleep in tomorrow uh but no it's been it's it i think this year in particular feels the fla feels bigger the industry sides feels bigger it feels like 10 years ago fla um you know it really there's just something i don't know that's working maybe it's post-covid and last year was definitely looking back very hard not hard sell but hard you know it was just a weird space for everybody. So this year it feels like everybody has and showed up and really, really like has shown up in force. Um, and I have like filmmakers coming in that leave, unfortunately Galway, as we all know, is terrible for accommodation, leave and come back the next morning because they're enjoying it, you know. So it's because of their great work that people are turning up and being supportive and their friends are coming along and, you know, new filmmakers and inspiration. Um, and I'm running out of words. <laughs> so, yes, that's me. <laughs> you deserve a drink and a good line. Thanks, me and Eve. Thank you very much. And well done to everyone who had their shorts accepted for this year's festival. And best of luck tonight when they're handing out awards, which is going to be really, really exciting. The awards getting underway at six o'clock this evening in the Town Hall Theatre. Now, what's really cool about the FLA this year is they've really opened up and tried to have a festival for a more wide variety of audience. And one of the movies that they have screening this afternoon is A Greyhound of a Girl, which is a family animation movie. In other words, you can bring the family and watch this movie. And it's got... An all-star cast, even though we are talking about, you know, voice artists. we got Brendan Gleeson, Rosalind Lenehan, who's an absolute legend, Sharon Horgan, Charlene McKenna, who you might remember from Raw, which was a fantastic TV show that RT produced a few years ago. And it's based on a Roddy Doyle novel. Lisa, what did you make of A Greyhound of a Girl? I think this is the a sweet movie, but it's still, it's, it's, it's a kid's movie, but it's like, it's, dramatic it's a tough story tale with like a, the granny is dying and 
Um, the kid is a kind of a precocious child and uh, she's entered a baking competition and then the granny is helping her bake and then they go through all these recipes and then the granny, her great grandmother comes back from the past and then the granny's in hospital. But it's a, it's like nearly like a, a, a journey for the child because she's um, she's come to terms with her granny leaving her. But there's some elements of um, mythical mystical ghosts in it as well which is uh it's really well um animated really well animated yeah fun family little movie and i think everybody should have go see it yeah it's got a very interesting animation style it's got a lovely combo of like traditional 2d animation and then some 3d elements for like uh certain parts of it and then the the dream sequences and the flashbacks and the magic elements have a very different style of animation as well different types of drawing which is a little bit reminiscent of you know cartoon saloon kind of stuff with the book secret of kells etc so it's it's got a lovely blend of modern crisp animation and also you know this lovely mythical ethereal animation in black and white so it's a lovely mixture of animation the voice talent in it is excellent obviously when you see the likes of Brendan Gleeson on the voice talent he's in it for like he probably did a day of recording in this he's, he's got about five lines in it but his presence is nice there um, Sharon Horgan is very very good as the mother of this precocious child um, Mary and uh, it's a lovely story you know about um, life and death and family and legend and myth and memories and um, it's a lovely kids movie it's you know it's stylized a little bit so it's Ireland but it's not of a time it's Ireland and it won't date because it's animated in a certain stylized way and uh, yeah it's a great little film bring the kids and have fun and it's it's a nice little movie might be bring a tear to your eye Excellent so that is a Greyhound of a Girl screening at 3 o'clock this afternoon at the Town Hall Theatre now taking place earlier in the day are the Pitching Awards and earlier on I caught up with the organiser of those awards Annette May Delighted to be joined by Filmfare Coordinator Annette May. We're going to talk about the Pitching Awards getting underway at 12 o'clock this afternoon. But firstly, it has been a busy week, uh, not only of screenings, but industry events. And one of the big draws for people in the industry every year is the Filmfare, also known as the Marketplace. Firstly, for those who don't know what the Filmfare Marketplace is all about, can you tell them why it's so important for people working in the industry? The fair is the industry side. It's the meetings, the one-to-one pre-scheduled meetings that take place over two days in the Galmont Hotel. It's for producers who have projects in any stage of development who are meeting financiers. So people like BBC Films, Film 4, RTE, a whole plethora of uh, film funds, uh, sales agents, distributors. So if you have a film that you've made and you're looking to get it sold, this is the place to be. Um, We've had over 700 meetings and we expect lots of deals and lots of relationships to be forged here as well. Uh, The marketplace has been running for 27 years and we've had lots of films um, come out of this. And as I said, lots of relationships start here and continue on and then we are more than delighted to get people's films through the marketplace um, for the festival so it's it's all circular if you like it's that nice word that we like so yeah we're here to make that happen for you it's an application process and uh, we obviously want you to be here pitching your film or your idea so people have the opportunity where they can sit down for 20 to 30 minutes with someone from BBC and pitch their project or sell their project it's it's unbelievable and there's so many meetings that were had at the fair over the years that led to the making of documentaries and films that later 
got screened at the film flat. Too many to mention, but it does work. And as you said, I think the most important thing of the film fair is building that relationship, not just going in straight away for the sale, but just to build a relationship, know who who's who, because, you know, the, the people in those chairs keep changing and switching. So it's important to stay abreast with who are the important people you need to know about and talk to in the industry. That's right, yeah. And I mean, our market is European. It's funded by Creative Europe. So uh, it's important, to, if you can at all, to have a European co-producer. And But if you don't, you can potentially meet one here. Um, yeah, as you said, that relationship start and your film and your idea, um, meeting people here, getting your getting heard, getting your pitch. It is an application process. It is competitive. And uh, it's Irish producers, it's international producers, it's European producers. Um, and we're all here pitching their ideas and uh, getting heard, as you said, and getting the time. And um, it's great to sit down with um, a person and have that time dedicated to your project and people are very good at giving advice and making suggestions of where you can take your project and staying in touch as well and it's important if you do take place in the marketplace to stay in touch with us let us know how your project gets on because that's the results are you know what our reputation is built on now people might hear a little bit of noise in the background and that's because they're all getting set up for the pitching awards which get underway shortly at 12 o'clock i love the pitching awards talk to us about them the pitching competition is open open to writers uh, of any at any stage in their career with any genre of project. Ten uh, projects are chosen by a panel of readers, and uh, they pitch their project for ninety seconds in front of an industry panel of judges. And prize is three three thousand euro, which is awarded um, at the award ceremony uh, on Sunday evening this evening. Um, so, it, it, as I said, it's a fantastic opportunity again to pitch a project, but not just. If you're the winner, there's also over the years people who've uh, taken part um, and been finalists have had their project made. Um, the one that springs to mind most easily is Cutters, which was pitched in 2017, was made into a film as Deadly Cuts. Uh, the producer sat in the audience and heard that pitch and liked it and got in touch with the writer pitching it. And uh, together they got finance and got the project made. It was actually screened on RTE over Christmas, which is uh, where I finally caught up with it. But yeah, uh, again, it's it's an opportunity to get your idea out here and get it heard and uh, if you are fortunate enough to be the winner then you can use that 3,000 euro to uh, work on your project and might give you time out to write a draft or you know to take uh, take it a bit further and what advice would you give to someone because I know it's a nerve-wracking thing to get in front of a bunch of people a bunch of strangers in a room and do a 90 second pitch about something you could have been months working on but what advice would you give to someone who's about to step up and do that 90 second pitch i know it's truly nerve-wracking the passion your your passion for your project why should this project be made uh why you why now how is it relevant who's your audience there are all of these things to consider but it's your passion your characters if obviously it's a narrative uh we've had documentaries over the years as well so it's your passion for your project and yeah if you can get that across to the audience and to the judges then you know uh, you're on your way and uh, thanks so much for joining me. I better let you run up <laughs> because you. you have a busy couple of hours ahead of you. But good luck in the selection process, which I'm sure will not be easy. No, you're right. All the ideas are here today. They've all got something unique. It's a, it's, it's a difficult process for our judges to, to choose a winner. But as I said, don't be disheartened if you're not the winner. You know, other things can come out of taking part and being a finalist. Yeah, and just go and make it anyways. Absolutely. 
Now, we'll just give a quick nod as well to screening later on this afternoon in Palace. Screen three is Reefer and the Model, which is really a classic from Joe Comerford, produced by Lelia Doolin back in 1987. And it's I think it's screened a few times at the FLA over the years, but it's great to recognize the great uh, director that Joe Comerford is. And also Lelia, you know, one of the founders of the Galway Film FLA. She brought the Irish Film Board really to the west of Ireland. And I think it's fair to say as well that she discovered Gabriel Byrne. Uh, but yeah, she's a huge history in both the Irish film and television industry. But I think for those working in the industry or wanting to work in the industry, if you haven't seen Reefer and the Model, it's just one of those things you just have to see to be, I suppose, part of the community and really those who brought it to um, where we are today, celebrating the great flag that we have. Also, another thing I want to give a nod to is... Bally Walter, which screens at 3.30 this afternoon, screen one of the Palace Cinema. And that stars Shauna Kerslake and Patrick Keelty, who, of course, will be the new host of The Late Late Show in September. And uh, that movie should be coming out in mainstream cinemas in a couple of months' time. But uh, definitely a nice comedy drama to look forward to this afternoon. Now, before we go to the closing movie, we're going to talk about film screening this afternoon in the Palace Cinema at 2 o'clock. Scrap from writer-director Vivian Kerr. And Dave, you did a little bit of uh, research on this, and this is based originally on a short. So yeah, so after just a little bit of IMDb, and I saw that uh, Vivian, she was so good in this that I started looking her up on IMDb, uh, which is a good sign. And um, she interestingly acted in, and I believe wrote this short, a uh, short film of, of this feature film uh, back in 2018, so five five years ago or, or so. And um, Anthony Rapp was in it with her. And obviously, uh, I haven't seen that short, but it was so good, obviously, that it, it spawned this feature film, which which is um, rather good, I have to say. And Vivian directs this as well. So she wrote, directed and starred as the leading actress, which is a lot to chew on as a creative to take on, you know, those three massive roles. But, um, you know, you think of Mel Gibson in Braveheart, who wrote and directed and starred in as a bigger beast. But this... Uh, for for you know a first time directing feature film, she did a great job. She does a she did a great job writing because it's really good writing. She did a great job directing because the direction is it's simple and clean and the story rolls along quite well and she keeps the pace up and it's it's not flashy. She's not you know over egging the pudding with certain shots. She just does it well right across the board and her acting is excellent in it. And the story uh, is is. Sadly, uh, a story of contemporary life and, you know, homelessness can happen to anybody, even if they live in a white, privileged, middle class environment where all their friends are getting married and having babies and her brother is worrying about IVF and they're spending thousands on IVF and all this kind of stuff. And she's just struggling just to keep the bills paid. And she's obviously highly qualified because she can't get a job because people say, oh, you're overqualified the job. So Vivian, I have to say, Vivian is a star in the making. She's she's excellent on screen. She's a very talented actor and obviously a talented writer and director. So I'm very interested to see where she goes in the future. Uh, watch this space. Vivian Carr is on the rise. I have to say well done to Maeve McGrath for pulling this one out of the bag, finding the movie and bringing it to the festival. Lisa, did you enjoy Scrap as much as we did? Absolutely. It, it's a tale that is set in Hollywood, but it's uh, it could be set anywhere because it's a universal story of somebody that loses their job and ends up living in their car and trying to make ends meet and make, aud- not auditions, but um, interviews and, you know, just spinning a spinning a whole web of lies trying to keep their head above water. But she's she's really good. It's really well written. I like the dynamic between the brother and sister. This this just a, it's really very good film and it's it's rare that something comes along that you're just like well, you know, that's a clear story. I can 
understand it and it gets to the end and it, it flows. So I think well done to her and everybody involved in the process. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like sometimes people come to the FLA with their feature film debut or their second feature or whatever and they want to they want to like call her outside the lines and go mad and do existential craziness and really show how imaginative they are and it's like okay enough already you haven't earned that level of creativity yet and you really haven't got a handle on it Vivian told a really interesting story really well it's like somebody putting a nice home-cooked meal in front of you that's just done well. It's not reduction of blah, blah, blah and pretentiousness and over the top and you're starving after you eat it. This is really good, wholesome filmmaking. Really good story. There was no big cathartic moment in it. There's just lots of nice vignettes of the old boyfriend and the struggles that she goes through and even the bit where she she my favourite bit in the movie is where she she's living in her car and she's she's getting a phone call she's having a rejection phone call from mm. a, an, an interview and then I, I do have a couple of those on my phone saying do not answer actually. <laughs> <laughs> not yeah, she th- though that's my phone number if anybody's asking <laughs> Gary's phone is do not answer Dave Coyne but she she's there on the phone and she answers the phone and she's having she's, she's listening to a rejection from an e- from a job interview and there's a man who's about to report her to the police for like sleeping rough outside his house in her car and she's like I'm on the phone blah 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 and they have a little altercation and she drives away and it's all you know just the trauma of being homeless and then later on when she's well dressed and showered and she's got her hair and makeup and she's looking fabulous she's in the grocery store buying groceries and she drops something in the grocery store and the same man says oh hi Harry uh, sorry uh, let me help you and she recognizes him but he doesn't recognize her which that teeny tiny little scene just shows how when someone is pegged as homeless they become invisible and when they're not homeless in the person's imagination or their mind, they are visible. And it's the same person a couple of days later. And I just thought, she's, she's a very deft writer, director, and actress. And as I said before, she is going places. Vivian, if you're listening, keep it up. Absolutely. I mean, essentially, it's a film about you don't always get what you want in life. And it goes through all the various struggles that the characters are having with that ultimatum, which is the reality, which I think is really good because you're looking at this movie on the screen, but it's very much a reflection on life ourselves and what we experience. Like there's all things sitting around here that we would love to have or to have had in our lives, which didn't come to fruition, but that's life. And that's what I love then. It's, it's the realism of that. Yeah. And even the, even the relationship, as Lisa said, the relationship between herself and the brother is done really, really well. There's a lovely moment in the film where her brother, played by Anthony Rapp, who's a brilliant actor, by the way, he writes these uh, sci-fi novel, you know, George R. R. Martin type books. And she's taking the mick out of that going, oh yeah, orcs and she's messing. But she shows up to his writing and, and, she, buys, his and buys his book even though she's broke and she's you know and her credit cards are being declined she still buys his book and she queues up to half take the piss and half support him it's yeah. typical brother sister stuff yeah. oh yeah and and she he writes in the book you know to Vivian you suck love yeah, the brother yeah. or whatever and then later on in the movie when she gets her shit together and she comes back and then he releases the Billie Holiday book that he loves that she loves that she encouraged him to actually release the book and she was you're giving catalyst. away loads of spoilers in this yeah sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's not the kind of movie that you need to worry about spoilers it's just a good story follow along trust me but she goes ahead and buys this book and he writes the same thing in it. there was no big cathartic the movie has changed in the yeah, arc yeah, yeah. it was like this is real yeah. this is what a brother and sister do he writes again you suck into the sun and he signs it to her and it's, it's honestly I thought it was excellent and from a acting perspective as well like there's nothing in the story there's no dialogue that clearly says that there has been a gap a distance between these two 
but the way that they perform it and the awkwardness and the silence is just done so well. And I have to give credit as well to the actor Lana Perella, who plays, you know, her, her Beth's sister-in-law in, sister -in -law in yeah. it. And a belated happy birthday because it was her birthday yesterday. Oh, happy, happy birthday. birthday. But she was fantastic. Oh, as well. absolutely. She was. She brought the, the drama and the the tears and, the, you know, just. And there was no was, nothing over the top about no, it. No, nothing at all. It was just very real, very raw and, uh, you know, showing real events and what people are going through. And she's just a great actress. Oh, no, no. There's 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 serious acting talent in this in this film. And the, and the script is so tight and the direction was so clean and simple to keep everything real. And that's what makes it work. And it's uh, she was brilliant. I mean, her emotional reactions were, were earned. She earned mm. them all when she when the, you know, the IVF stuff started failing. She got emotional. She's like, I need to go to my sister, which is normal reaction. And then when she returned and she took a breath and she's like, I'm sorry. It was all real. It felt. But real. I liked it as well earned. from a male perspective as well, how it showed that it's not easy on anyone in the relationship, yeah. you know, when you're going through the journey of IVF. And I like the fact that Vivian obviously, you know, made a choice as a writer and director in this to show that there are bad men. Well, not, not say bad, flawed men. Like the ex-boyfriend is flawed. He's, I'm making loads of money now. I'll do this. And he's still freaking out and he's just an idiot. But then, you know, she meets this nice guy. Like there's an, there are nice guys out there in yeah, the world yeah. and she acknowledges that and then the husband, or, or sorry, her brother, he's also just, an, he's putting up with his sister is all over the place, his wife is all over the place, his job is all over the place and he's holding it together and he's, you know, he's a good guy and uh, really enjoyed this film. I can't say any more about it. Yeah. Fantastic. It's brilliant. So Scrap Screens at two o'clock this afternoon getting its Irish premiere. It is an American movie. So I don't know, you know, how soon it'll be out in cinemas here in Ireland. So definitely take the opportunity to see it this afternoon at the flat. And I don't know, is there an Irish connection? There has to be because with Vivian. She's Kerr. She's Kerr and there's like, obviously there's she, her character the, the is Irish. Being Irish. Yeah, may the road rise a, to meet you. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the road is, if, if Vivian keeps pouring out talent and stuff like this, the road will certainly rise to meet her. And I'm telling her that now as a, as a, as a Galway man. The road will rise to meet you, Vivian. Final film tonight, closing film of the Galway Film Flat 2023 is Let the Canary Sing, which is a documentary following the amazing music icon Cindy Lauper, who I suppose was at her pinnacle there in the 80s, but she's still going strong, an amazing artist. That screens at half seven now. Unfortunately, I mean, it's been an awkward week, uh, especially for ourselves being involved in the festival because of the writers strike taking place since May, I think it was in the States. And during the week now, the Screen Actors Guild have joined them as well. So you might have heard during the premiere in the UK of Oppenheimer, midway through the actors in that movie stood up and w walked out in alliance with their fellow members of the union. And again, at the FLA, as a result, it's difficult because actors aren't allowed to do press interviews. They're not allowed to talk about their latest projects on social media. They're not allowed to basically attend film festivals. You know, so even if Robert De Niro is swanning around here now at the FLA, coincidentally, you know, no one can do press with them. <laughs> and as a result, Cindy Lauper wasn't able to attend the festival because I believe she injured her leg and now she's not attending the Q&A tonight because, unfortunately, of the situation going on in the States. And it's interesting, I was reading up about it yesterday afternoon and over in Ireland and the UK, you have equity for actors. So House of Dragon is being shot at the moment and they're not ceasing production because they're part of equity. And equity, the rules are 
just because SAG are on strike, you can't, as an equity union actor, go on strike as well. But at the same time, what the Screen Actors Guild are fighting for and the writers in America are fighting for is affecting every actor. So I really do think that maybe equity should be nearly aligning and standing with them. I mean, I, I would say it's only a matter of time. Because at the end of the day, the technology that exists in the world now, you know, the advent of AI, I mean, a lot of these AI tools have been around for many years. I've, I've used many of them in my own work. Uh, but now that it's out, of, you know, it's in the public domain, people's imaginations are starting to kick off, even though a lot of stuff is around for four or five years. And like, you know, deep fakes and all these things can make an actor redundant. You can just scan a person and then you have, you can make that person say and do anything. And it's very, very convincing. Now, to the untrained eye, it's like, oh yeah, there's such and such. But to, you know, people in the business, they can see the uncanny valley of, okay, that lip sync isn't right. The eyes aren't right. That's not really that person. But in terms of like, companies and you know big entities uh i won't name any names but you know big big corporations that own all of these properties they can just start pumping out stuff with a minimal technical crew to make stuff happen type in your script into chat gpt uh, it'll polish it up for you then takes the text put it into a, a text to speech generator and select the actor whose voice you want it to sound like and it will generate and then lip sync that to a animated avatar that looks exactly like the character drop them into a fake scenario and boom you can make a movie with no actors uh, at all. And um, this is people's livelihood. People don't realize. People pay their mortgages and put their kids through school by working as actors, directors, screenwriters, editors, and so on and so forth. Makeup artists, hair, makeup, the whole lot. Costume. It's, it's, it's a huge industry and um, it needs to be protected. As you said, it's, I think it's only a matter of time before equity have to, they have to join in and see what, what they can do. Hopefully there's a quick resolution. You know, we don't know when it'll end. Brian Cox, the actor of Succession, said it could go on till the end of the year. It's nuts. But I mean, there, the fact you can't do talk shows, every production over in the States basically has come to a standstill. I think this will be wrapped up and dealt with very quickly. It has to be. At the end of the day, as soon as, as soon as the people who have the most money start to lose money, they'll start to wake up and go, okay, we're going to lose money here. And uh, they, they will lose money because... Um, at the end of the day, we all take it for granted that there's new movies coming out and it's you know, the, the, the landscape is flooded now with new movies and new TV shows and all the streaming services have new stuff and there's so much stuff we don't even get time to see it. And this week, the three of us have been watching loads of movies. We haven't had time to watch all the films at the flat this year because there's only so many hours in the day. But something has to be done. People have to be protected. Uh, jobs and livelihoods have to be protected. And um, at the end of the day, when I go to the cinema and I pay my 15 quid or whatever the hell it is, depending on where I go, um, that should be going to the people who made the film to a point and obviously the distributors and the cinema and everything but not just to one big faceless corporation to pay executives in suits who don't sacrifice anything and they don't put themselves on the line and they don't do any creative work so I think it's only a matter of time I do have to point out the irony that I spotted when Brian Cox was interviewed on I think Sky News or BBC or someplace and he was saying oh this could go on till the end of the year and it was like succession was so good that I'm looking at him as Logan Roy going yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the guy who needs to write the check <laughs> you know just in terms yeah. of uh, you know um, fantasy his uh, name Mary. has been on the picket lines as well actually <laughs> Log, yeah. yeah but it's, 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 very, it's very interesting how um, you know art is mimicking uh, reality there but um, if this goes on until Christmas there's going to be a huge void in all of our lives there's movies on, being made right now like Deadpool 3 that people are chomping at the bit to see mm. and they are stopped mm. and Paddington 3 which is stopped and these movies will probably get made at some point, but they will get delayed. They might, and they mightn't be as good as they may have yeah. been. Like and as you, we said, these were the things that got us through COVID. Oh, but if you think back to yeah. um, I, anybody who listens to this podcast knows I'm a big James Bond fan. But like, if you think back to Quantum of Solace, 
which was a really sm- short film, short story written by Ian Fleming, the name. And they copied that name and turned it into a feature film. Like, I love it. It's a Bond movie. But it, as a movie, it doesn't stand up because it was filmed during a writer strike. And they had a Mark Forster, the director, no offense, Mark, but like he didn't have a proper script. They muddled through. They got some sellotape and sellotaped a few action sequences together, and it's the one of the weakest in the in the in the in the Daniel Craig era because it didn't have talent there, boots on the ground doing their thing. And without that, we're in trouble. Absolutely, David Lisa, thank you so much for joining us on the Galway Film Podcast throughout the week. Thank you to the Galway Film Fly as well for their support, and thank you for listening to the podcast. I'm delighted to say that stats that we got there on Friday night show that we had already reached number three in Ireland's film review charts regarding Apple Podcasts. So that was a big win. So thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast during the week and also, you know, recommend it to others after the FLA as well. And uh, hopefully you'll hear from us again sometime soon. But have a great FLA. Thank you for joining us. Lights out. That's a wrap. That's a wrap.